Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. (laughs) Bro, crumbs on me. You got crumbs in your beard. Okay, well, uh, so Hannah rightly told me that we don't actually answer questions on this podcast. We just we make more of them. So I'm not allowed to say hello, welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? The only podcast that uses cutting edge science and tech to answer the questions that you actually have, mm. because we don't actually answer really any questions That's that true. people have. We answer the questions that we want to answer. Yeah. Um, it's not really democratic. That's true. Um, but this is our shit, so. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, set up your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, in that case, then. Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet, the only podcast that uses cutting-edge science and tech to answer the questions that you actually have. Things like, why is the sky blue? What's up with trees? And how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck... Oh, we did that one already. It's okay. I am your host, Alex Lathbridge. I'm a person that knows science. On my left is Oz Ismail. Oz is a person that knows science. He's walking in with two glasses of water. Water. And if he doesn't sit down right now... I am going to say some terrible things about his style choices today. Hi. <laughs> hey. Thanks for the water, buddy. And of I'm course... I'm slept this annoyingly. We are joined... Look, we've got Sahel. He does journalism. <laughs> he knows stuff. I drink water. It's good to hydrate. <laughs> no, we'd have Hannah, but Hannah, unfortunately, she can't be here today. Um, and I'm very sad about that because she is the balance to us. You know, she is mm. the whatever to our ego and ids and all that. I don't know it's psychology. True. I think you're yeah. talking mostly about your ego. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty chill by the way. Okay. <laughs> well, joining us today, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest she is an engineer she is an author and she is the person that built the shard single-handedly oh yeah. my god yeah, yeah, brick, by brick. Brick, brick by brick so please guest introduce yourself so my name is roma agrawal and as you said i'm a structural engineer so i do build things yeah it's kind of my responsibility to make sure not not solely mine thankfully to make sure things stand up. Okay, so the reason you can hear some shuffling is because, um, Roma, are we okay to say it? We're not like, okay, we can say it. Roma is lovingly with child. Um, <laughs> lovingly. And, and I think it was okay to say it, just not in that <laughs> weird way. <laughs> you, you, could, you can That's, just say she's pregnant. Okay. <laughs> that is one We're way We're all could pregnant, go. really, when you think about it. <laughs> what? You have, to, you have to expand on that. <laughs> yeah. With thoughts and ideas. And pauses. Do you have to wee four times a night? <laughs> I do, but that's on a separate issue. <laughs> that's a separate issue between me and my doctor. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so I guess the thing that people in press releases will say the most about you is that you single-handedly built the shard. <laughs> Which is with, 100% true. With your own two hands. Did you find that fact on your little it sheet? It says it right here on The Guardian. Bloody and <laughs> raw. raw. <laughs> right. <laughs> You, you did a building before the shard, right? I did a bridge before the shard. Okay. Have you guys ever built anything? Yeah, Lego. Yeah. Mm. 
I hope I thought you were going to say resentment towards you, Alex. Um, but okay. And that. But how did you get into engineering? Why did you like engineering? Like, did you wake up one day and was like, you know what? I want to change London's skyline in how many years? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I, I have lived in lots of countries. I was in America for a bit where I was one of the few kind of Indian families in a small town. So unsurprisingly, I always took all the extra maths homework and I was in the top reading set mm. and I'd been taught all kinds of stuff by my mum before I went into school. Wow. But when you said um, you took all the maths homework, I assumed you were being bullied into doing other no, people's no, no, maths. No. So you took everybody it was else's by choice. with you. <laughs> no, I did the extra sheets. Wow. wow. I, used to, I used to get caught bunking maths all the time. <laughs> and then at, at the end of my course my, I got like a decent grade and my teacher was like how the fuck did you do that and I was like I don't know man it's, just, it's genetic isn't it it's genetic exactly <laughs> is Obviously, it I don't know I don't, think, <laughs> I don't know that's a little bit offensive no I think we're I'm, yeah I'm being, I'm being a little sarcastic but yeah. people just assume that yeah we're yeah. good at maths. I feel like my family completely defy that rule because my sister's great at maths and then I am terrible. I still can't do maths. I think people don't, are don't. good at different things. That's what we've got that's from tr- that. That's very true. <laughs> I had the sickest maths teacher. He used, to, he used to do this game. I don't remember what the reason was, but he'd stand in the middle of the room and he'd let you throw these foam di- dice at him. And we just used to throw dice at him. This is such a random story. <laughs> it's like he just stand there and we just throw a dice. I don't know what the context was, but... Anyway. So that was not a good learning experience <laughs> is what we're learning from this. But Roma... Ob- I had fun. Roma obviously had far better learning experiences <laughs> because she got here now. So you were taking all of these people's maths. I was taking everyone's maths homework. Yeah. Um, moved to India. I always loved maths and science. Oh, so you took their maths homework with you? I was, yeah... Yeah. yeah, and then and it was it was really funny because we were doing kind of two plus four in Amer- in in America. Moved mm. to India, and the kids had like learnt by heart all their times tables up to twelve. Wow! Like within kind of a six month age difference. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So so that was interesting. Oh, did you go from being the top of the class to the bottom? <laughs> I I came second in my year. Wow. And that was pretty devastating. <laughs> yeah. I was I was about to say and you were crushed. But you were, you were, you were, no, you're not. You're actually not. I can tell you're not joking. But it was pretty brutal because we were seven years old. Okay, so we're in year two. And we had three hundred kids in my year, and we were split up into six classes, fifty kids each. You see the maths? Mm. Same thing. Mm. Um, no, I don't. Very. I just told you. Um, and they would score our exams. They would m- total up our marks across all the exam papers, all the different subjects. And then they would give you a score out of whatever it was, like 700 or 800. And then they would put your names up in the middle of the six classes based on your ranking across all the classes. Mm. Age seven. Wow. Yeah. This and you were what, second? Wow. By um, one mark. So you've come to the UK traumatised. <laughs> I wasn't too traumatized. Okay, um, so, so really traumatized. I, I was fine. <laughs> and then I did maths, further maths, physics, and design technology at A level. So those are literally the textbook A levels for an engineering degree. Um, I was in a fantastic private girls' school for the last two years. This these A level years, and no one ever, even my engineer dad, like kind of, it was so strange. But no one ever ever suggested to me, oh, study engineering at university. And basically, because I liked maths and physics, I applied for physics at uni, assuming there'd be loads of maths on the course, which there was. So I did a degree in physics. So I had a really boring job over the summer one year. But I was basically um, sitting with really cool engineers that were designing particle accelerator, you know, the CERN detectors and like bits and pieces of kit for there, which was super, super cool. And I was sitting there basically documenting where the smoke alarms were. And creating a health and safety file. Mm. It was exciting times. That's a rock and roll lifestyle. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We actually have to have a meeting um, regarding this podcast because the guests we bring on are having like, <laughs> yeah. even when they're like, oh, you know, this is a small thing I did. It was still really kind of cool. Right. Right. And it makes, okay. So what are the worst jobs you've had? Not worse, but the boring kind of oh, ones. Oh, boring. Yeah. I or not even just what jobs have you had? Uh, <laughs> I had to. I remember to do this one job where you had to timetable people's work schedules, and that was horrible. 
Uh, I work for a teleshopping channel. <laughs> wow. What? Wait, what? Wait, you say that again? He's like, hey, you're tuned to QVC. For a, for a teleshopping channel. <laughs> Wait, a teleshopping channel? Yeah. Was this in front or behind the camera? Uh, Were you like one of those people? In, uh, it was in a retail store. They opened a retail store based on a teleshopping channel that I will not name. So you work for QVC? <laughs> uh, it wasn't QVC. It was QVC. No, it wasn't. It honestly wasn't QVC. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say. It. Okay, when you say, let's just say it's now owned by the Virgin Company. Oh my, oh okay, so God. when you say tele shopping, uh huh, was it Babe it's Station? Like, no, no, no. Oh God, no, no, no. It wasn't porn. It was like basically. <laughs> oh man, just check. No, it's like you know the stuff like as seen on TV, but like yes. But they would, it was a, okay, I'll give you more clues. It was a, it was, it was a kind of channel where the price would change. <laughs> price Drop TV. Oh my God. Did you work for Price Drop TV? I'm not saying. I will not confirm nor deny. <laughs> and, I will, and, okay. Listen, they, I don't think I'm going to see you or anything. It's totally cool. Well, it was Price Drop TV. <laughs> exactly. I don't think Price Drop TV existed, but they called something else. So you don't get to come here with like, ah, oh, I worked with wonderful engineers and, oh, Oh, even though I was searching for like fire alarms and counting the the, the fucking health and safety violations, it's still cool stuff. Mm. So yeah, and that's what I'm saying. We have to have worse guests on. <laughs> that entire... We set the bar too high, damn it. Yeah, no, we keep doing it. We keep doing this. We're getting better and better and better. So mm. you've had this summer job and with these engineers, and yeah. then you're like, ah, oh, I love engineering. You've got this physics essentially, degree. yeah. Okay, yeah. and you've got this physics degree. Yeah, and what do you do with your life? So, so one of the scary things, or kind of really cool things, is with physics you can do any type of engineering you want. So, I was like, should I be an aerospace engineer, or should I do buildings, or should I do robotics, or whatever? I don't know stuff that existed 15 years ago. Like now, there's new stuff. Um, and I decided that I wanted to move back to London, live in London, and all these aerospace jobs. There were there were loads kind of outside of London. Space. So. Yeah. It's final frontier. Okay, that, that joke fucking banged. And so the fact that I can get more laughs is really annoyed. Um, okay. I, mean, I had a little chuckle. A sympathy chuckle. It was inside laugh. <laughs> Dignified. So, Roma. <laughs> so, you've come back to London. So, I'm back in London. I do a master's in structural engineering at Imperial. Mm-hmm. Um, only person on the entire course without an engineering undergraduate degree. Oh, wow. So it was uh, pretty difficult. I think academically, probably my hardest year. So Imperial luckily had all these careers fairs. Mm. And so some, for someone like me who had absolutely no idea about what kind of companies did structural engineering, I just said, oh, let's do this degree. You know, I then had to do loads of research on, well, actually, how do I get a job? And I must have applied. I had a spreadsheet. Of course I did. Of course. And I had. I must have applied for about 30 jobs. Um. Not to sound too arrogant. Sorry, have you but... met me? Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. The fact that I'm stopping you to tell you how much better I am than you <laughs> at being arrogant should let you know. So continue. <laughs> so, so what I found slightly odd was I had a degree in physics from Oxford and I had a master's in structural engineering from Imperial. And out of 30 applications, I probably heard back from three or four of them. And I got like two interviews and I got two job offers, so I had a choice. And it was um, fascinating to me because I think basically what was happening is they said, mm, physics degree, how is that relevant? Don't really get it. I'm not sure she's going to be part of this graduate program. Well, I mean, that does sound bad, but when you got to think about it, it might actually be the universe's way of telling you, because you came second at school, you got two in <laughs> The number two is just following you around everywhere. It could be that. Yeah, I think it's that. You think it's that? Yeah, it's not Fair like enough. structural inequality no. or bias or anything. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it's number two. Sorry. So you've got these two, <laughs> two interviews. Um, and then I started working for a company that's called WSP. And then that's where I stayed for about 10 years and the place I was when I worked on the show. Okay, so you've never built anything before, right? When we're talking mm. about, like you've come into this job, you've never built anything before, I guess? You'd physics no. background? How do you start from not building something to having built a bridge? So you end up working in these really large teams. And that's not something I really appreciated when I was studying because 
you know, we do second order partial differential equations and plate theory and final element analysis. Um, and we did do some group projects. So there was a bit of a taster for what that's like. But you get in and then suddenly you're with all these people. You've got, you know, the person, the client that actually wants the product, that's paying for the product. You've got the architect that comes up with a vision. Um, what is it going to look like? How many people are going to use it? What's its context in the city or whatever? And then you've got all the different types of engineers that have to come together and basically heat it and light it and make it stand up and make sure it drains and all these various different things. And you basically start by making this huge list of well, what are all the risks and challenges and problems that we might occur? Like, where is it going to go? Have we checked the ground? What level should it be at? Is it, you know, how do we make sure that the trucks below have enough headspace? And you kind of create this kind of map of all the different constraints that are there. And then you kind of Fill, fill in the gaps and figure out what that structure is going to look like. Just remind me, because we did a story recently, because there are a lot of structural challenges, especially building like in the city. Mm. For example, there's this building, this hotel they're building where, uh, no flat, sorry, uh, where they built it over the DLR trains. So they had to literally build a b massive set of flats while trains are going in underneath and they that's, separated. That's one of my project. Is it actually? Is, <laughs> is it? No way, we were there filming. So right. they, 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 um, what in Tower Bridge? Yeah, yeah, Tower Bridge. Yeah, it's really cool. And they, uh, they strap the tools to the harnesses, don't they? So that when they're working over the train line, like the spanners don't fall. And I just remember these trying to film these guys. They're like, yep, yep, do that again. And like, with the, and they stand up and it's all chained, all the tools, <laughs> there's these ropes that like, hanging around and stuff. It's really cool. So you had a big concrete box, basically. That yeah. was one of, one of the job, one of my projects. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a weird coincidence. We did it for BBC London News. Um, and it's really interesting because you do have actually separate the train line from the building mm. to isolate the vibration and stuff. And you're like literally above trains and you can't hear a thing. Like it's just like completely, the buildings are almost like isolated from the train line, which is obviously a challenge of working in a city. Mm. It's like, how do you build around a place that's already like really built up? Well, it's challenging, isn't it, in a lot of ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably one of the hardest things about the projects that we work on. So if, if we built um, skyscrapers in the desert, like some countries do, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's easier. Wow. The <laughs> shade. <laughs> Sorry, 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 uh, Roma. Are you are you coming on to this this science and tech podcast and just just throwing taking shots at, at the engineers of the Burj Khalifa? Would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Shit's going down. It's getting real. I'm gonna say yes. This is this is an episode of Building Wars now. <laughs> okay, so so. We're talking about building in an already vibrant city. But there's other challenges as well. Speaking of like building in a desert, right? It's intense heat. But one of the interesting things, another story did was around, you know, if you're civil engineering, if you're building loads of tall buildings in an area, you're like producing extra heat. How do you create like community spaces for people? Mm. Like make you make like cooler areas with like water fountains. And that's all part of, I guess, what you do. It's like not just building a thing in a place, but thinking how that thing fits into the environment and benefits everyone, I guess. So I think um, that's more on the architecture mm. side, mm. but we definitely have to worry about the temperatures, as you say. So mm. I can't, I'll, I'll give the engineers in the desert that, you know, um, they have to think about the heat. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about the towers that we built. So I did another project mm. in London, which was an apartment block, um, kind of in Mayfair somewhere. And it's got three levels of basement. So you're deep, you know, digging really deep down. We had the central line trains running about 20 meters below the ground. Mm. We had um, a, a sewer that was built in the 1800s, a big brick sewer next to the site. We had a vent shaft from the tube system coming through the site. And then kind of between all of this, we were trying to create an apartment building, mm. putting in a new basement. So you're thinking about movement, you think about the ground, you think about, you know, are we going to actually impact these tunnels in any way? And obviously there's so much we have to do and get through in terms of approvals before we can do anything like that to yeah. basically protect all the um, existing assets. Oz, um, as someone who knows it, because you know, we have a, an international audience, could you please explain um, the central line? It is part of the London Underground. It is the worst line you could ever take. It is the line that everybody takes because it threads its way through London. 
It depends how know. late it is on a Friday and how drunk you are, because it can get good. <laughs> no, it can get very good. worse. <laughs> the night tube central line is worse than the regular tube central line. It can be. Again, it depends. People how are drunk bombing. You are. People are doing like pull-ups. <laughs> People are crying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's pretty far. Yeah. My favorite part about the central line is that you can be on Tottenham Court Road and then fall asleep and be in Essex. It's true. That's that's a pretty good nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I like <laughs> that's that. That's a full blown sleep, isn't it? It's yeah. like just verging on like. Yeah, yeah, and then you're like, wait, where am I? Where the where the fuck is Rysley? It's like Epping. <laughs> you are at Epping. Please get up to drink. <laughs> nah, okay. And then there are sites in London as well where you find archaeology. Oh. So I can't remember which project it was, but there was a project running around in the office where they found Roman skeletons. Oh, wow. And so all the kind of the big, heavy, grunty engineering kind of stopped for six months mm. while these archaeologists came in with their little brushes and kind of... Wow. But Switzerland out, especially, yeah. isn't there a problem with like the bombs that are still buried from World War I want to say two. Wow. <laughs> wow. 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 Listen, he's a scientist, not yeah, a story. I didn't right? like, sorry. Wait, sorry. Did you not learn about the Blitz? <laughs> what? I didn't grow up here. This is true. Why yeah, should I have so- to memorize these things? <laughs> because I, I learned about it for my life in the UK test. <laughs> and then I forgot all of it. I was going to say, because British history is world history. It's true. All of you need to learn mm-hmm. that. The, like right. we all learn it by force. Okay. <laughs> right, you need to learn Empire it. Empire has come. All right, right. okay. <laughs> Integrate. <laughs> all right, I know you just think one of you. All right. I know that's that. Gonna, like, I know. I going to like go there. Like, you do a very bad place. It's fine. <laughs> you about to call me a nigger? I know, I'm going to be like, all right, Tony Blair. It's the Carl, <laughs> Carl Benjamin. I'm here. actually more offended. <laughs> <laughs> I, somehow I am. Roma, you worked on the Shard. What is the Shard? So it's um, the tallest building in Western Europe. It's 310 meters tall. It's this kind of large, pointy, like imagine an extended, elongated pyramid on the bank of the River Thames. Um, and, yeah, and I, think, I think it's added kind of an interesting shape to the skyline because we, we had the gherkin and then we had the London Eye and then this kind of added a triangle to the mix. So yeah, if you haven't seen it before, use Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but we, then, okay, no, mm. but the people who do Google it, first question on their mind is going to be, why is the top not finished? <laughs> yeah, what? Okay, yeah, why isn't it finished? It is finished. <laughs> Next <it>. question. <laughs> why did you not call it the Derrily Triangle? So back to why it's not finished. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, but like, why is that aesthetic there? So you have to ask the architects that question. Oh, okay. You really. just build the thing. You make we, it we happen. We build it. We make it happen. It's okay. standing up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You design great. Okay. But <laughs> so, so the, if you want me to try and answer that question like an engineer would, um, the architect had this. I think this vision of the Canaletto paint. It's a famous Canaletto painting of London. So you're regretting asking me this now, aren't you? And um, it, it's the spires of London. So London's always had the cathedral spires, and then these tall kind of spires off the ships and the boats on the River Thames. And it was this idea of kind of extending up into the sky, but not finishing in a really abrupt way, but more kind of merging into the sky. Can you cool. see why engineers are not allowed to be architects? <laughs> yes, because you are not a poet. <laughs> it, that was a very clinical, not merging with the sky, being there, <laughs> skyline. Yes. Okay. So um, with building the shards, we've talked around like building in a city, all that kind of stuff. What was the most difficult thing about building the shard? You've talked about like basements. Mm. Um, you talked about working in a city, like with everything that's going on, but like, how do you go from everything there being fine to building upwards? Cause it's like th- how many floors? So there's 87 floors you can stand on, mm. but it's the equivalent of a 94 or 95 story building. Oh, oh so are those last seven floors just for you? That's the, that's the finished bit at the top okay. that we've just been talking about. Yeah, okay, so when you're up there, you're like, oh, you know, well, oh, you peasants, you can only go yeah. up to the 84th. Wait, can people go up there? So you can go up to 80, basically 87 is a top level uh, for that you, you can actually stand on. For you. No, that anyone can stand on. <laughs> for you. <laughs> I find it mad that there's 44 lifts. There are 44 lifts. Some yeah. of them are double-decker. It's pretty badass. Wait, wh- uh, what? what? Yeah, so... 
um, because I'm sure all of you have frequented the bars and the restaurants and the viewing gallery many times. It's true. Um, <laughs> Not a regular pass. But sometimes you're in the lift and you think, why are we waiting? Oh. And it's basically because they're loading people at two separate levels and the office lifts have those as well. And it's just, it's a way to get more people transported up and down quickly. Mm. So is that... An- so is that an engineering decision or like who makes those sorts of decisions? Cause, oh. so, so kind of the lift engineers. Oh. They're called vertical transport engineers. Oh, wow. Vertical transport yeah. engineers. That's fancy, isn't it? We four lifts, 306 flights of stairs. 12 car parking spaces. Really? <laughs> 12. Just 12. Yeah. So don't don't drive if you go there. <laughs> for like, Take uh, the tube. For Twelve. Who gets 12. who gets the 12 I spaces? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not have one of them if that's the next I question. Think, I think the flats can go up to like 50 million pounds can't they so what wow, is right. crazy that's you can't no say you, so so you're building that and how long did that take to build if i remember correctly we started kind of working on site in 2008 and then the structure was pretty much finished in 2012 and then stuff happens inside as well for a while so like what's it like bringing that kind of thing to life and actually seeing a project that you designed come to life so, so I think that's that's why I'm an engineer. I think that's the best bit about being an engineer is that you spend, you know, months, years doing drawings, doing computer models, all this kind of stuff. But then one day you actually go and get to see it mm. being built. And I think for me, like the biggest thing is you just realize the scale of it is so much larger than you could ever have imagined compared to when you were working on kind of one five hundredth scale models or whatever. Oh, wow. So when you actually go there and see it live, it's it's massively satisfying. Mm. Do you ever like, you know, like when you're on the tube and then do you like ever like hear someone talking about the shard? <laughs> what's the best thing you've heard? <laughs> oh, I loved it. So I was pulling in on a train once into London Bridge Station and there was a little family... Um, sitting in the seats opposite me and these two little young kids they must have been I don't know five or six years old glued themselves to the train window and went it's the shard it's the shard <laughs> they were so excited and I just thought that was like the best thing oh, wow. have you ever heard like anything bad <laughs> those same children <laughs> why is it finished <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I did one of those things that Londoners never do, which is I talked to someone on the bus once. <gasps> oh my God. What? Because um, th- there was this person on a bus and he was saying he didn't understand why these canopies that you see kind of hovering close to the base of the shard were so high up because blatantly they're not going to protect you from the rain. And I said, <laughs> you well, <laughs> actually. <laughs> no, no, set the scene. All right, you're on the bus chatting shit. Yeah. Oh, you know, why do they even have these things? You don't need them. And then someone, where are you sitting? Next to them, behind them? I think that was one row behind them, which makes it all the more so impressive. More so, so they're talking about it and you get head over your shoulder and it's like, okay, bitch. <laughs> Listen, I've made this shit. <laughs> Did you did you look at the person or did you just lean did you lean forward what what did you do I I, I don't remember I can't remember the details but you remembered what you said Alex. I remember what I said which was which is that I corrected him <laughs> and I explained that those canopies were there to protect from the wind effects that happen when you build big skyscrapers because it changes the way the wind flows around Mm. and that's why even at the base of the cheese grater there's these canopies sticking out and it's basically there to break up these wind currents the cheese grater is another building in london um this is a very very uh, london centric (laughs) podcast (laughs) realize that we say things and people have no idea what we mean but so do people actually listen to it outside of wow (laughs) i was i was on a seven month tour of the podcast (laughs) roma (laughs) all right so yeah we got exactly seven new listens uh during that period The podcast has listened. That's all that matters. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's um, so she's greater is another building, and then you told this person off. Okay, did it feel good? Yeah, but obviously he was very <laughs> less than impressed that I had spoken to him and that I had corrected him. Not impressed. <laughs> um, did you get off like straight away? 
No. Why you stayed? <laughs> of course, you built the shard. Like yeah, you, do <laughs> you don't like say something like I built the shard and then get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, did they believe? Did he believe I have, you? I, I literally have no idea. He just gave me a really strange look and then turned back <clears throat> to his conversation. How do you even get something off the ground with a building in London? Yeah. So, so the clients normally start with the architects. They oh. think about the site, the context. They look at the history of that site. There's loads of records that we actually have. We even have um, drawings of stuff from Victorian times, which is pretty cool. Um, on on microfiches. So I had to. <laughs> what? So these are these are like. Um, so I'm making a shape with my hands in terms of the size, and Alex is going to yell at me that this is an audio medium in a second. <laughs> True. So, like, doesn't he say that too much? <laughs> this is an audio medium just for you listening out there. So you know, <laughs> vibrations in the ear. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> For um, you know, people listening, because this is an audio medium. <laughs> I'm about to. F- <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're making a, a circle. I'm with- making. I was trying to make a rectangle and failing, but oh, wow, the, yeah. the size, <laughs> the size is like I don't know, a big watch face. It's like a couple of inches. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. And so they're really tiny mm. and they're little films and then you project them with a, using a projector mm. and then they basically kind of scan an image of that and then you use that to try and plan around what you're trying to build. So mm. that was that was a big kind of um, random story. But the point is <laughs> that you, you basically have to do a big study of the site. You have to look at what's running under the site. So under the shard, for example, we knew there weren't any tunnels, which then kind of opens up the height of the building that you can do and how deep you can go with the basement. Mm. So you basically kind of do a a kind of study of everything around it. And then you can think, okay, what can I actually put in here? Yeah. How can you slot this in? It's like a massive Tetris or something, simplifying mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because that's what I always wonder about, Mm. like building in London is because isn't London just really porous with all the tunnels that are going through? Yeah. Like how, how, that must it's, be it's like, like such a headache for you. It's like Futurama, isn't it? It's like where they got the city it's underneath like a ch- the city. like big cheese. <laughs> like a Swiss cheese. Yeah. All the holes. It, it is to an extent. And, and that's why like every single site is looked at. So you can build over the tunnels, but it does, you know, it obviously has restrictions on how much weight you can put on it. Okay. And where for your foundations can go, how much movement can be accepted by the ground. So that's why it affects, you know, what you can do. And even before a developer actually buys that bit of land, they would figure out, you know, what's actually feasible on there before, you know, so that kind of affects the value of the land. Mm. So, uh, the ground in London is pretty poor because mm. we, we're in a river valley. So mm. it's clay. And mm. uh, when clay gets wet, it expands. When it dries, it shrinks and cracks. So there's lots of movement that happens. Mm. So we have to really think about what kind of foundations we're using here. Um, basically in London, luckily there's a really strong layer of compressed sand about 50 meters down. So most of the skyscrapers around London will have um, basically these really deep concrete shafts that we call piles mm. that go down and anchor themselves into this sand. Mm. Um, stop, stop sniggering, Alex. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, isn't, isn't piles the bomb disease? It's the stomach one. Okay, well, no, 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 it is. It is. It's, it's, it's the bomb disease yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to, yeah. <laughs> I think you're an expert in biology. What happened? <laughs> I mean, look, I had textbooks that talked about lubricated shafts being inserted into, you know, materials and we had to keep a straight face. So, yeah. I that must have been fun. So many gay jokes right now. <laughs> so many. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it because I am not petty. <laughs> Aren't you though? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, so um, these piles. <laughs> um, other challenges. Moving on. Um, I think temperature is an interesting one for bridges, mm. and the way they vibrate is interesting. So you have to think about well, how long is the bridge? How hot's it going to get? How cold is it going to get? Allow that expansion to happen. That can cause challenges in the way mm. you design the foundations and the supports and stuff. Um, wobbly bridge we know about. You guys were at least born. By 2000 weren't you 
Oh, yeah. yeah, the Millennium so, Bridge. The Millennium Bridge. I actually, I have to like talk to kids that weren't born when the Millennium Bridge thing happened. <laughs> yes, oh, no, my no, God. And that's kids, really disturbing. Kids doing uni now that 9-11 was like uh, either an event they don't remember or like a historical event. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yo, we're old. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, so bridges do funny things. If they get, you know, regular forces on it, they start to resonate. You have to make sure that. Um, they don't vibrate and end up like the wobbly bridge where, mm. you know, people walking basically set these um, effects off. Because, oh, yeah, oh, I think what I learned or what I remember is people saying it was the exact way people were walking. Is it like they set off like the perfect vibration or like yeah. is... So is that not a thing that people think about from the start or... Yeah, it is. What was funny about this particular bridge was the fact that... So we know about the vertical kind of effect. So you're kind of stomping your feet and we always talk about soldiers breaking step when they cross a bridge. Um, This particular bridge was, it's very, very slender. It's very kind of got quite minimalistic structure. And what was happening was there's a little, a tiny little sideways effect when you're walking as well. And it was a sideways effect that set off these vibrations. Mm. And that's not something that had really happened before. So when you're kind of pushing the limits of structures, you sometimes get things that are slightly unexpected. Yeah, yeah I'm just reading about it now. It's called it was resonance, they said, isn't it? So mm. is there was kind of a positive feedback. It's called synchronous lateral excitation. Is that correct? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it, Hedy. Do you know this? Uh, uh, that so is then, interesting, yeah. So how much do you have to think about... Okay, so you think about, like, the existing... Uh, physical features of where you're building Mm. but what about things like climate change like change like how does that impact like so if 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 london suddenly becomes like as windy as chicago let's say Mm, what's gonna happen i'm oz and i go around the world oh is this how it's gonna be today (laughs) it's gonna like throw shade at each other (laughs) yes um yeah so windy cities no but (laughs) isn't that a concern like so we use these wind maps which are which tell us what the worst case wind loads would be like in a hundred year period and then we use that so it kind of predicts basically what what the likelihood of the worst is there statistical stuff i can't even save the word so forget Mm. the maths we i get a map somebody else has done all the calculations (laughs) um and then we add more factors on of safety so for wind we might add you know a 50 percent increase on top of whatever that number is so there's a lot of redundancy built into the way we design stuff okay so So, yeah so the shard's never going to blow away, is what you say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, someone's nicked the idea, mate. Jeddah Tower. It's going to be. It's very similar to the shard. Have you seen it? Jeddah Tower. Yes. Is yeah. that the one that's over a kilometer high? Yeah, it looks it's crazy. Like they took the shard and then they added another shard on top. Yeah, it's like double shard, and then they've got another cool building here. If you uh, say it's a triple shard, like triple shard. Um, so, I mean, what's it like when you see new buildings being built, and you're, I mean. I guess, is there anything like propi- proprietary? Like, you know, like if you make, you know, if like someone makes a film, you know, you can pay homage to a film. You can see like, oh, you can you can shoot similar scenes. You can do like little references to other films and stuff. And there's Easter eggs. Is there something similar with like engineering, like little motifs or any any kind of style or that kind of stuff? Like, you know, architecture, they can be like, oh, there's a Greco-Roman style, like, mm. you know, features and stuff. With engineering, is there anything like that? I think the shard is neo-brutalism, it's called, isn't it? I don't know. I, just I have out. no idea. That's, that's, <laughs> that's architecture, not engineering. I don't know. Listen, I'm an idiot. You, you just said can... Baroque and Greco-Roman or something, didn't you? Yeah, Greco-Roman. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm saying that's an architecture thing, but is there anything in engineering? Like, can you play little... I imagine you, you can't... So, okay, let me tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about an engineer called Fazlur Khan that I write about in Built. And he was a um, really smart little cheeky precocious child in Taka in Bangladesh and his dad was a maths teacher and like any good Asian parent he he, he said you should study engineering go to America <laughs> and so Fazlur Khan emigrated to the States and I think this was now mid-1950s and he basically created a new stability system to keep towers stable against the wind so normally we would put in 
what we call a central core, which is like our spine, our backbone. So it's on the inside of the body of the building. And, you know, as, as the wind comes and hits the building or if someone tries to push you over, it's your spine that kind of flexes and, and your muscles kick in and keep you standing. So that's how the core works. And he basically flipped it inside out. So he put put the stability system on the outside and said, I'm going to use all these columns that are holding up gravity loads to also help us with the wind loads. So he was thinking a bit more holistically about the way structures work. And he created the John Hancock Tower, um, the Sears Tower. So these various really cool buildings in, in Chicago. We use a lot of inspiration from his structural stability system when we're building the tallest buildings in the world. No, I, I just, I'm actually looking at some, some of these new buildings. And I mean, it's, it's amazing that how far we've come. And even like walk through central London, for example, you have that juxtaposition of like old buildings, but you see like just these crazy amount of towers just going up around it. And I just think, you know, if that's now, how is that going to evolve in like a hundred years? How, how are we going to keep taking down old buildings? What's the cycle around mm. that kind of thing? How does it work? It, that's it's a really interesting question. So one thing about all these old buildings we have in London is that, first of all, we have to remember that they're that they're old, mm. and and that what that means is that they're not necessarily very accessible to people. So a lot of them don't have lifts. The stairs are quite difficult to use and climb, and mm. um, they're not very energy efficient. Um, materials are degrading, drainage systems are degrading. So it's important that we either upgrade them mm. or another thing that we're doing at the moment is we'll preserve their facade. So we can actually, you'll see this as you walk around London, is that you've got these you know, beautiful old facades mm. and you look behind it and there's nothing there except a steel frame just holding it up. Yeah. And then you build a new building behind it, but you still preserve... Kind of the old aesthetic on the front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a road like that in London. I've, I've like seen like it's mm. all perfectly like townhouses. It looks really beautiful. But then if you go around the corner, you can sort of see it looks like a movie set because there's no <laughs> like actual big buildings. It's just the front like that are there. And I was wondering, yeah, is that a normal? That's a normal thing then. Well, mm. the, the idea is that you build, rebuild a new structure, fit for purpose building that mm. goes behind it. Mm. Um, and I, I think. With the height thing, I think we will around the world keep trying to break that record and we'll, we'll go, you know, we built the Burj Khalifa, which is about 828 meters, if I remember correctly. Mm, mm. And then we're trying to build something that's a thousand meters tall and then we'll keep kind of doing that. And we're capable of doing that. But I think in terms of the everyday living experience, we're probably going to plateau out. We're not going to keep just building huge, big, massive towers as a norm for people yeah. to live in. Yeah. Unless you're in places like... Manhattan, where space is really scarce, mm. um, Hong Kong, you know, certain cities in China, looking at how we how they can just bring a lot more density into the cities. Yeah. So, so it really depends on what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, it's, just, it's basically a giant pissing contest, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it's like a bunch of people, oh, we're going to build the biggest tower, but there is, there's, a, there's, in certain places, it has an economic and a pragmatic kind of use, doesn't it, mm. when land is limited and stuff. Um, but actually, people prefer like mid-rise tower kind of living don't they as opposed to like these huge scary buildings and i think you know and safety is i think is an issue with some of these places as well i, think, it? I mean cult it's a cultural thing mm. as well so people have been living in high-rise apartments in manhattan for decades and decades mm. and, and hong kong which i mentioned as well and i think in the uk we're less fond of tall buildings yeah. we're not really used to them yeah that's not really what we've done much of and the reason that towers started really in Chicago and Manhattan is because of the ground. They basically mm. exist on rock. So I've just described London being in a um, river valley. So we have clay. And so we didn't really know how to put big, massive structures on that. Yeah. Whereas on rock, you can just whack up a big building. Yeah. And that's, that's why I guess skyscrapers first appeared there. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. You know, recently we've had the like Notre Dame fire and stuff um, and people saying it's because that building was really old and the way it was designed and it wasn't um, like mm. optimized for um, having parts of it like um, cornered off to stop fires from spreading and stuff. When you have these old buildings that burn down and I guess people are attached to and they want to build them stronger, um, what 
what do people take into account there or how do they do that while keeping like the idea of it the same like they're mm. talking about rebuilding notre dame and you were saying how like in london there are mm. facades there yeah. would yeah. they do that as well yeah that's a good point actually well i think materials is a big big consideration there so the type so we can still use timber but it's just that the way we use timber now is completely different than they use timber 100 years ago and you know definitely 800 years ago so which wood do you use um you kind of soak chemicals into it to make it more fire retardant oh, really? and fire resistant you can layer up the layers of the wood to make it more robust so there's all kinds of different techniques that we have available to us now mm. that just simply didn't exist before you can mm. so you can put you can make the wood like mm. flame retardant but that's really cool why mm. yeah do, do we do that with all buildings that have wood? The modern buildings, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Otherwise, we wouldn't be building from wood. Because they're also doing a big restoration project on like Parliament, as a Parliament, mm. for example. And that must be quite interesting as an engineer, I suppose. The challenges in doing that would be very similar, I guess, to in restoring an old building. I, I think one of the big challenges there, mm. so again, I don't know a lot about this project, but yeah. I think the drainage there is actually quite a big challenge. Mm. So again, the, the way we use toilets has completely changed since mm. a lot of these really old buildings were built. Um, the flushable toilet didn't exist until Victorian times mm. and we didn't have a joined up sewage system in London until again the 1850s 1860s yeah so I write a whole chapter about poo in built for That's those who enjoy it's that like kind of thing poo. it's like how do you poo in the future well exactly <laughs> well speaking of which actually sorry for interrupting but I mean when does the shard become an old building like what is that in the is is that in in the thought process? Is, is there a time when we will take down the shard because it, it loses its value? I suppose, or will will it be again? It'll be a process like with the House Parliament. We will update it for. I, I think generation. it's more about updating. Yeah. I I think um one really interesting thing is that how the office design has already changed. Mm. So even in two years in the last two years or even the last five years, the way we work in offices has completely changed. So we want more open plan. We want all this tech. Um, we want different types of spaces for people to work in. And the best thing that structural engineers can do to accommodate all of that is basically create as open a structure as possible. Yeah. And we've and that's what we've done in buildings like the Shard and you future -proofed other ones. It. Yeah. You try and future-proof it in the yeah. sense by making the space so open that whoever comes in can kind of configure it in the way that they, they want. want. It's like modular, yeah. Mm. You. That's really cool. Yeah, because you just you don't want to have to take down something like that. It's the, the challenge no. must be immense if you want to take something down and replace it. And I'm sure with older buildings, when you do want to take them down and build again on top of that, that has its own challenges as well. I'm guessing it does, mm. but I mean, at the same time, I look at all these Roman structures that are mm. still standing two thousand mm. years later, and you know, the Egyptian structures four thousand years yeah. later, and it's. Yeah quite mind-blowing do you think they had some good health and safety there <laughs> uh, on, the, on the pyramid sites <laughs> mm. well you're kind of talking about that we were talking about building the pantheon before and actually being involved like a lot of people died like we have to remember that yeah. like loads of people died when they were building those ancient structures and um you know often they were slaves often they mm. were doing it for the for their kings or you know kind of a sacrifice um that's been a huge, 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 huge change. Mm, mm. You know, the last few years, in fact. Mm. There are window washers on the outside of the shards. <laughs> Six teams of them. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. Because I've seen them, I think uh, there's, I think UCL, UCL Hospital has like window washers on the outside that come from the roof as well. But I didn't realize you could do it from the shard. And was that something that you thought about when building it from glass and stuff? We have to think about that again when we're like right in the planning stages. Um, so most buildings have some sort of system. Most modern buildings have some sort of system. And we've thought about, well, how do we actually clean stuff, but also replace stuff? So in time, if a seal goes around one of the windows, if there's a bit of condensation or there's a leak or something happens, then you won't be able to actually maintain the building. Um, so if you look at the top of skyscrapers, you will often see cranes of some description up there they might be hidden away so sometimes if you go to a taller building and kind of look out then you'll be able to see that i think in manhattan that's you know i'm, I'm quite like i like looking at the roofs of i was, other I was gonna say that there was a glint in your eye there <laughs> like oh that's my fun i like true, i've seen that. i've seen yeah. cranes at the top of buildings mm. and i was like okay i kind of understand the point of that is is to 
make changes, isn't it, to the building or to make repairs as they, as they go along? Yeah. yeah. Keep it clean. There's another fact about the window cleaners. Apparently, they tackle one side each week, and after finishing the fourth side, they start back at the beginning. So it's like a set. So they run, sign, clean, clean, clean. Wait. What's that? Okay, we're talking about cleaning. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oz. Yeah. When you have a really tall building, mm-hmm. like when you have something, anything really high, like birds, you, you fly a lot, right? Sure. You know, when you think about okay, flying, right. you think bird strikes. Mm-hmm. Like when birds go into plane engines yeah. and stuff. How do you stop birds from, how do you not mess up like ecosystems and stuff when you're building these massive buildings? And like, because when I think the shard, I think something's going to fly into it like a pigeon. No one's ever asked me that question before <laughs> in the 10 years that I've been. <laughs> My God, we are the right questions. <laughs> We're concerned for the London pigeons welfare. Right. That's always. And I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in 10 years, no one has asked so me, so it's fine. Like, obviously, it's not a problem. And even if it is, not my so problem. So this podcast oh, I've got it. I've got, it. <laughs> I've got it. It's a US statistic, though. Okay. But at least 100 million and maybe a many, as many as a billion birds die each year in the US when they collide with buildings, especially glass-covered or illuminated skyscrapers. You're killing the birds, man. <laughs> Roma. <laughs> Roma, my God! What, what do you okay, have to say for yourself? <laughs> she actually looks. This she actually looks really like guilty. This, this <laughs> no, he was just joking. It's cool. Like, this explains why, like the pigeons in London, like walk on the pavement. <laughs> yeah, they listen. don't want to fly anymore. If you love fried chicken as much as me, you probably killed just as many birds. So don't. <laughs> this is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you. Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've got questions. People have been asking us questions. And we've talked about, you know, bridges, Millennium Bridge. What is your favourite bridge? That someone's asked. What is your favourite bridge? It's always such a difficult question. It shouldn't be. <laughs> For most people, mm. it is not a difficult it's question. Alex Lathbridge. Uh. Oh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> Amazing. Wow. That's, was that, was that, was that worthwhile? Joke. It was. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, look. What is your favourite bridge? People want to know. You can say, I don't have an answer. I'm not giving an answer. This is like globally, right? You can pick yeah, any, can any. I Can I pick a bridge that has gone? Like that's been demolished yeah. and I've never seen. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So I'm going to say the old London bridge on which like the nursery rhyme is based. All right. Because, because in some ways it's like, it, it was a failure as a structure because it, did so it stood for nearly 800 years it had these weird arches that are really not the right form of bridge to use in in this particular context um the reason that this song came up that it's always falling down is because 
it was. There was bits of it always kind of crumbling. They built buildings on it that it wasn't originally supposed to take. Mm. Um, they basically, this is my favorite bit. They had the toilets of these buildings were basically the bits of the building that overhung the river. Oh, yeah. So you were oh. just basically like sending waste straight into the river Off below. A ledge. <laughs> wow. And then they had spiked heads. Like, um, I'm going to get this completely wrong, but William Wallace, I want to say. Oh, is that Braveheart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Braveheart. Day I think his head was spiked up. on the <laughs> on the one entrance of the bridge. Yeah. Wow. So it was that, pretty intense. Is that what you really loved about it? <laughs> it's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. <laughs> it's very busy. It was the only bridge that crossed the Thames at the time. And so basically it just got massively congested, but it became like this lifeline to get from North to South London. Yeah. Um, and we know which side is better, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh my, is he a South London boy? Am I getting this all he's wrong? He's like deep south. Oh. Mm. One bridge question we got is um, basically, why can't we build a bridge between England and France? Well, firstly, because Boris Johnson suggested it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, we cannot do it. <laughs> um, so we can, of course we can. So Roma, but- I, just, I just want you to know, um, you might have, you have an MBE, right? <laughs> yeah, you have an MBE, you've built the shuttles. All right, don't let it get to your head. You can still be deported. Yeah. <laughs> I have a British passport, man. So do I. <laughs> well, apparently that's, that's still a thing they can take away, apparently. Don't, apparently. don't, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> so anyway, Boris Johnson slander. <laughs> I mean, you got the tunnel, right? So why would you build a bridge? Yeah, isn't that basically a bridge? No, no, mm. but why did we do a tunnel instead of a bridge? Like, why can't we do I, Well, I, my assumption is a that it was massively more practical it was cheaper Mm. um i think the channel has tons of shipping going on there's all kinds of shipping lanes and stuff happening that i don't know a lot about but if you try and build a bridge across such a long distance you need loads and loads of support so you're putting piers in you're restricting heights it would be massively expensive because of the amount of material you're trying to transport out into the water but really like my my kind of standard answer to these sorts of things is that you can build whatever you want. You're saying that you can do whatever you want if you have money. And time. That's that answer. Someone else says, what building or structure in like the old world would you have liked to work on? So you've got like the pyramids, the Great Wall of China, you know, uh, the Mesoamerican pyramids, you know, Great Zimbabwe, all of that stuff. Like what stuff in the past would you have liked to work on? Mm. Um, I'm quite obsessed with concrete that's very and niche it is niche um where did this obsession I like begin? how it feels <laughs> i like the smooth roughness of the cold of the aggregate the cold sometimes you can catch me at one in the morning just rubbing it between my fingers <laughs> pretty much when you're in a car and you see one of those trucks that has concrete in the back you just follow it no, <laughs> no matter where it's going i've gotten over that now <laughs> she has <laughs> um, I love the Pantheon because it had really cool Roman concrete and it was built 2000 years ago. It has no wow. steel reinforcement in it. It's still the biggest unreinforced concrete dome in the world. So that's all pretty cool. I don't think I would have been allowed to work on it though. Um on account of being a woman. Ah, okay. Just second. And um, probably went... not being in the upper echelons of Roman society. Yeah. But what if you... Wait, oh no, concrete. She went full Mulan on it. Just fake moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. Great to work. <laughs> what's, what's your name? R- Romo. <laughs> yeah, that might have confused them as well. Romo. <laughs> Maybe they would have just worshipped me. Exactly. As, as the deity of their city. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure anyone can name. It's not like you put a name. Oh, my name's London. Oh, obviously from the gods. It must be sent. Jeez. So another question is, how much does like glass weigh? So I think in the in the shard, like you've got, it's massively glassy. Wait, this is one of my facts. Oh, okay. We have yeah. Glass. Yeah. Eleven thousand glass panels. Is that true? Eight soccer pitches. That's Did I get a, that right? I, I'm guessing so. I'm just, I'm just nodding. Okay. <laughs> because yes. Of- so I don't know. I'm not saying I would do this or that I'm involved, but the, but what I'd like to see brought into this kind of profession is a new material because we've been using bricks for ten thousand years. We've been using steel for thousands of years. We've been using concrete since even before Roman times. 
Um, and those are the three primary materials we still build with. Mm. And glass as well has been in existence in some way in decorative form for, for you know, decades, centuries. Um, and I'm just really curious, like, what is the next actual new material mm. that we're going to use? It's like that flubber, that movie. It won't be like a flubber. <laughs> but I mean, what do you, do you have any idea what, what, what it might be? So they talk about graphene form of carbon mm. which is very very strong um you can have a, you know a lot less of it compared to this equivalent amount you'd need of steel to take the same amount of forces and loads and things what would structures made from that look like no idea it might completely change the aesthetic of what our structures look like because we're so used to having concrete columns steel columns and then we have concrete floors or we have brick you know facades or whatever um so i'm i'm quite fascinated well if you get this new material in does that completely change the way you design yeah. what a building actually looks like yeah it's really interesting i mean when it comes to like mm. you know new materials and new structures and like new properties does that mean that we could in fact build that bridge from England to France <laughs> or from England to Spain. We should just have a zip line. Uh, yes, thank you. Line. So like Dover would be really tall <laughs> yeah. and then the G-forces, I mean, you'd be really happy to get to Calais is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, survive. jumping off the back of that question and hope to wrap or zipping. Up. Uh, about you know wow. the future of how sorry for, <laughs> is that just not funny sorry I had a question I had a thought I just want to take it forward no take it but forward. you know looking into the future and talking about different materials and stuff is there is there a trend and it, I know we're just talking about taller buildings we've kind of really touched on this but it, where where do you see kind of structure building going and engineering in that sense so how is the future what is the future of the skyscraper for example Ooh. Um. <laughs> you can't say taller. I mean, there, there must be like trends, isn't it? Because you mentioned like open offices, for example. Is it is it heading more in that direction? Having open. Yeah, spaces? I mean that's that's been a trend mm. for a reasonable amount of time already. Mm. I I don't see there being any massive fundamental change in the design of a skyscraper as long as you're using the same materials. Mm. So we saw that big change with Fazlur Khan in in the kind of the sixties. Mm. Um. And since then, oh, I, well, technology has made a huge, huge difference. Mm. So the fact that we're using computing power and we can do all this kind of analysis that we'd never did before, we can figure out forces much more accurately. That's made a, a, a massive, huge difference. I think the way we construct will change. Mm. So we're already talking about having more kind of factory line type setups. and it's like modules of things that stuff. built up before and then they put yeah. into place. Yeah. And that would be more kind of for the everyday type mm. buildings um so i think that would be interesting so like kind of randomly i find this really amusing when you see they're designing robots to build with bricks mm. and i kind of ask myself bricks have been around for ten thousand years why are we building a robot to build from bricks why aren't we thinking about well what's what's replacing the brick kind mm. of how do we make that but actually it bricks are just really eco-friendly and you get the material from the ground and and you kind of you bake them and you've been using it you know for so long mm. but there's this kind of these weird um overlays of really really modern technology with really really old techniques roma you have a podcast right um, yes, I'm really excited. So I've got three episodes. So it's a little pilot series that I've created and it's called Building Stories. So oh go check out buildingstoriespodcast.com. Yes, that's a pun. <laughs> building stories because you're building <laughs> stories. I love that. So great. Is stories um, like, is that the metric? Is that like the, the phrase they use in every language? Like they use stories. Is that it? So like in Spanish, it would be the Spanish word for stories or is it flaws? Because I feel as though your pun uh, game has a flaw in that it only works in English. Uh, the international market, mm, I don't know. Well, you're assuming yeah. that I would have an international market. We think big. Roma, you've been on this podcast. You've got an international market. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but okay, what's your podcast about? So I've taken some of my favorite stories from my book. You wrote a book? Oh, yeah. You have, you Shall have I mentioned it? Yeah, well, I haven't mentioned my book. No, Shall I mention my book? <laughs> what book? Guys, do you know Rome wrote a book? Really? Nice. When, what was it about? <laughs> so the book's called Built, The Hidden Stories Behind Our Structures. It's about fitness. 
<laughs> you know it's what? About getting ripped. When we were checking out um, book title names, I did type in built into Amazon, and the top hit was basically the naked torso of a man with a six pack, but not his face. You know, when they're just objectifying. Oh, so like grinder. Kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I've heard because I don't use it anymore. <laughs> What's grinder? Exactly. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so built. That was so that, built. Yeah. That was um, your market. We research. thought we had slightly different end markets, perhaps. So that would be okay. Um, yeah, and the book has loads and loads of amazing stories about engineers like Fuzzler Khan, like Emily Roebling, and loads of other people. And it has lots of historical stuff and then little facts about, for example, the Chinese mixing sticky rice into the mix you know the mortar mix of the great wall of china so if you like those kind of little anecdotes about buildings and bridges then check out the book it's called built it's called built and check and out the podcast check out the podcast as well it's called building stories that's a and pun. can people find you on social media um they can so i am roma the engineer um on twitter and instagram I've got building st pod on Twitter and Instagram, and then my website is Roma the Engineer as well. Nice, honestly, just the SEO game strong. Yes, all right, search Get it engine down. exactly. So when you type in built now, that that six pack is like twentieth. You know, <laughs> um, we have come to the end of the podcast, um, Oz. Hmm. So how have you learned something new today? Oh, yeah, I've definitely. learned tons of stuff. Tons, tons literally tons. metric tons. Oh wow! <laughs> Is that what you guys are doing? Like, I'm I'm here asking questions and doing the conversationization thing, and you guys are coming in like sniper rifles mm-hmm. with, with puns, right? Is that what this <laughs> That's is? our jam. That's how we do, baby. Yeah, um, I've learned so much. I honestly didn't see buildings this way, and now I think when I go around, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely gonna be like appreciating it more. I mean, I mean, yeah. I've definitely learned not to slag off any buildings. On public transport <laughs> well you know i might be sitting behind you <laughs> waiting in the shadows what did you say about the shard i heard you chant shit <laughs> no i think it's funny because you know in the beginning you mentioned i did a couple of these stories around big civil engineering stuff and it is absolutely fascinating how you guys overcome such big structural like, engineering challenges it's, it shows you know that you need a lot of creativity to do this job as well mm. as well as like technical knowledge and it's very impressive roma have you enjoyed your time with us today on the podcast of course i have Sorry, yeah. could, you, could you say that again with more <laughs> of course i have alex <laughs> <laughs> why does it sound like you're trying to it's like when people it's like, like I'm, you're doing I'm, a skit yeah like, like i'm going to do a man's voice now <laughs> of course you sound like oz pretending to be sahel <laughs> that, that didn't happen when you weren't in the room <laughs> definitely I think my biggest takeaway from today is that I knew, I now know how to answer my favorite bridge question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex Lath. <laughs> Alex Lathbridge takes what? you where you want to go. <laughs> I have enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> uh, we've had Sahel, Oz, and Roma say bye, guys. See ya. And I am Alex Lathbridge. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Fucking hell. Bye. <laughs>